you're just going to enjoy it. So, so we're going to start uh, today, and we're going to talk about Moses, the making of a champion. And how many in this room, you want God to make you into the champion that he wants you to be? How many would like that, okay? Whether it is to be a godly parent, whether it is to be a, um, you know, a, a great worker or a great grandparent or, you know, just whatever it is that God has called you, just be a husband or wife. And so we're going to be in Exodus 5 today, if you would like to just uh, follow along with me. And while you're going there, I want to just kind of give you a review, okay? Because here's the thing. We started in Exodus 1. We said, this is what, ex this is what uh, uh, Egypt was like 3,500 years ago. Uh, we had a guy named Pharaoh who was a racist, and so he put the Jews into slavery. And, and then he wanted genocide where he had the midwives you know, try to kill the babies, and, you know, they said, we're going to obey God rather than man, and, uh, and I love what the Bible says, that God gave them families as a result of them obeying God, and, and by the way, there's no bad time to ever have children, okay, let me just tell you, people say, oh, it's so bad to have children, you know what, have babies, have families, you know, and just, uh, uh, some of you need to get busy, that's all I need to say, okay, and, um, and then it got later, it went into state-sponsored murder where, you know, the midwives weren't doing it. So he told his soldiers, he said, throw all the babies, uh, the male babies into the Nile River. Week two, we said that there was, we showed you where everything was under God's control. Uh, this man and woman, they have a baby, his name is Moses. And they, you know, that there's a decree from the, you know, Pharaoh that, you know, that they were going to kill the babies. And so... You know, so Moses' parents, they hide him in a little uh, ark, you would say, or bulrush, you know, in the bulrushes, you know, a little, uh, uh, little boat. And um, so they're trying to hide him. And, you know, while he's down there, you know, Pharaoh's daughter comes down and she's bathing and she hears a baby who's crying. And, you know, she goes, I want that baby. And, uh, you know, that's a phenomenal story. The, the sister of Moses jumps out and says, well, I can get you a Hebrew um, midwife, or not a midwife, nurse, and um, and so you know she becomes paid. She start she's being paid to take care of Moses, and that was phenomenal right there. And so she teaches him the Israeli ways, the ways of God. Uh, plus, when he's older, he gets into the Egyptian system, and you know. And so during this time, you know, um, all these things just wove together. You ever just say, God, you had a plan, and it is good. And then in week three, we talked about, you remember Moses kind of blew it. He killed this guy and he runs out into the wilderness. And, and so we all have wilderness lessons, but the wilderness lessons we learned uh, back then is don't get ahead of God, you know, serve where God puts you, you know, just, and I, somebody wrote, I wrote, read something this morning and I liked it. It says, you need to be where your feet are, okay? And that just means you just need to be where you are. You know, you need to be present wherever you are. And, um, you know, serve where God's put you, trust God's plan. Then there was the story of the burning bush in chapter 3. Uh, you know, it was just an ordinary day. Then all of a sudden this bush catches on fire, but it's not burning up. And, and then God calls Moses and he says, I want you to do what I want you to do. And, and Moses uses this word, Hineni. You know, do you remember Hineni? And uh, you remember, hey, God, I'll just do what you want me to do. But then we get into Exodus 3. Then all of a sudden, after he, he says, God, I'll do what you want me to do, all of a sudden he started coming up with all these excuses, okay? And he said, I'm not qualified. Anybody ever say that? You know, I'm not qualified. 
um, you know, they don't know me. They won't believe me. I can't do it. And I like this excuse. I just don't want to do it. You know, and it's like, uh, anybody ever just, you just, anybody ever get stubborn? You don't just, I just don't want to do it. And it's like, uh, I get that one. And then in week six, can you believe it? Week six, we were talking about how in chapter four, there was a couple things. We just said that history, be, he, history teaches us to hope. And there were three things that we learned. One, because God is sovereign, you need to do the hard thing. And because God is holy, you need to do the right thing. And thirdly, because God is faithful, you just need to do the next thing. And those were just great, simple lessons that we learned. So we're in, we're in week seven. And, um, and I want to title this, When Nothing Goes Right. Okay? Does anybody ever have seasons in your life when nothing goes right? Anybody like that? And um, so I want to just ask you this question. Now, if you're under 30, you, you can't ask this question really that well. But if you're over 30, you can and it is this. What advice would you give your 30-year-old self? Okay, I want you to think about that. What advice would you give your 30-year-old self? And what would you say to your 30-year-old self if you could talk to them right now? And I liked what one man said, and I, I believe this today, and it is this. It will all work out, just not the way that you think. Okay? Is, isn't that quite a you know, statement, it'll all work out just the, not the way you think. And if you live long enough, you'll discover that everything will work out just not the way you expect it. And I think Moses would understand that. And he knew that following God meant getting out of his comfort zone. Has God ever asked any of you to get out of your comfort zone? You know, have you just felt like, okay, God is just saying, get out of your comfort zone here. And, and, um, and so sometimes God asks you to do things and and, and here's the thing. Sometimes God asks you to do things that don't work out. He says, go do it, and you're going to go, and you're going to fail. And it's like, wow, Lord, I don't want to go and fail. Come on, anybody with me on that? I want to go and be what? Successful. And, um, and so Exodus 5 describes this super confrontation in Egypt. And one man stood between the Jews and their freedom. It was a guy named Pharaoh, and only he could let him go. And as we will see, Pharaoh wasn't an easy man to deal with. Anybody ever have people in your life that are just not easy to deal with? It's like, oh, gosh, God, give me help here. And so that leads us to an important principle that I want to give you a bullet point that you can just think about and, and write down. And, and here it is. is when, it's, when God is working, things often get worse before they get better. Okay, and God's way is rarely the easy way. Okay, <laughs> did you get that? You know, okay, so when God is working, things often get worse before they get better. And God's way is rarely the easy way. And he routinely, God routinely puts us in impossible situations so that we will discover uh, that we can't, but he can, okay? And so... Um, J. Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China, said it this way. There are three stages in any great work attempted for God. One is impossible, two is difficult, and third is done. Okay? It is impossible, it's difficult, and done. You need to mark that down. And God says, my ways are not your ways. And so it is with the spiritual life. You know, how many have ever had a hope, you've had a dream, you've had some idea, some big thing you'd like to do for God, for God, but 
when you, but how many know that a lot of this stuff that you have in your head just has to die before it can really come to life? And otherwise, we say, well, we did it on our own. And in Exodus 5, Moses is in this impossible stage of doing something great for God. I mean, it's impossible to do what he's going to do. And I want you to see there's three words that will just help you as the story unfolds. And the first word, I want you to see it today, is this word oppression. Okay? Um, does anybody ever just feel like, gosh, I'm being oppressed by all sorts of stuff? Not, not possessed. Okay, don't get that one. You know, I mean, maybe some of you are. But... Um, you know, this word oppressed. And so here's, here's Aaron and, and uh, Moses, and they're going to see Pharaoh. And Moses hasn't been in Pharaoh's court for 40 years. So you got to just imagine that. And no doubt he and Aaron, they went with some trepidation, but it was exactly what God had told them to do. And here's the thing. It was exactly what God told them to do, and it didn't work out. Come on, has anybody ever had that experience? God told you to do something, and you did it, and it didn't work out. Now, you say, well, maybe I wasn't supposed to do that. No, that's not the answer at all. The answer is, you got to do what God tells you to do, even if it's not going to work out. And so here's uh, Pharaoh's response, and I want you to see in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2. Is that so, retorted Pharaoh. Okay, and I want you to read this next line with me. And, and read it like you mean it or you understand it. And notice what it says. Let's read it together. And who is the Lord? Okay, do you get that? And let's say it again. And who is the Lord? And watch this. Read it with me. Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? Okay, and then read this next with emphasis. I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Now, does anybody get into this when you're reading that? When Pharaoh said, you know, first he said, well, who is this Lord? It's like, can you see the disdain? that Who is this God that you're talking about? And then when he said, you know, I don't know the Lord. Well, yeah, yeah, you don't know the Lord, but you're about ready to know him. Okay, now I want you to think about the person in your life that is least likely in your mind to ever give their heart to Christ. Okay, and they're as stubborn and as rebellious as could be. I, they might say, I don't know the Lord now, but how many know that God can shake them down and get their attention in ways that you can't even imagine? Some of you are praying for people, and it's like, God, I keep praying for this. How is it going to ever happen? I am praying for people right now that I've been praying for for years. And I'm thinking, Lord, how are you going to get that done? And um, you know what? Here's the thing. You might not know the Lord now, but you know what? You're about ready to know the Lord because God's about ready to unleash some stuff in your life. And, uh, and guess what? God knows exactly what you need to learn to obey him. And the ultimate issue is for, is, that's for Pharaoh, is for us, is who's running the show? God, do I trust you that you're running the show or not? And Pharaoh's soon going to find out the hard way, and he accuses the Jews of... Um, trying to trick him and let him go. Then he ordered the foreman to stop supplying the, the bricks they were making. And so now the Jews have to scramble to get their straw to meet their quota. And the situation's gone from bad to worse. Anybody ever pray? And it's like, God, I want you to do that. And your situation goes from bad to worse. 
Come on, Frank's the only one in the room that's listening to me. Anybody ever have that experience? You know, and, and, and I want you to remember that Moses did exactly what God had told him to do. And he and Aaron had talked to Pharaoh and it blew up in their face and that's bad enough. But now the Jews are suffering as well. And um, how many know that when you're in moments like this, you find out something about yourself? You find out what it's really like. Now, here's the second thing I want you to write down is the word frustration, okay? And you're going to see this is in verses 15 through 21. I'm not going through all the verses. I want you to read those. And so now the Jewish overseers, they're complaining to Pharaoh about the unfair working conditions. And that didn't go well either. And after all, Pharaoh knows it's unfair. He doesn't care. But here's his response. Look at Exodus first, chapter 5, verse 17. But Pharaoh shouted, you're just lazy. You're just lazy. Anybody ever tell you that? I mean, you know, maybe your parents did or, you know, I don't know. But, uh, and that's why you're saying, let's go and offer sacrifice to the Lord. Now, get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must produce the full quota of uh, bricks. Now, let me just tell you what this word is. That here, it, This word is called gaslighting. And uh, politicians use it all the time. They cause the problems, and then they blame other people for the problems that they've caused. Does it sound familiar? Okay. And, um, and it's what happens when you blame other people for the problems you cause. And Pharaoh does it by accusing the Jews of laziness. In fact, he says it twice in verse 17. And what happens next shouldn't surprise you. Look at verse number 20 and 21. And as they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside for them, and they said, uh, the foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his, his uh, officials. You have put a sword into their hands, no excuse, and an excuse to kill us. Now, who did the people blame? They blamed, they blamed Moses, of course. He was an easy target. And, and you can hardly blame them the people for being mad at, at Moses. Things were bad before, but now they're really bad. And Moses did everything that God had wanted him to do. He did what God had called him to do. I mean, think about that. He did everything that God had wanted him to do, and now he's being blamed for all the problems. You ever try to do something good in your family? And the more good you do, you know, it's the more blame you get. Come on, anybody, you, you get it in here this morning. You, you, it's like, I'm trying to help, and the more you, how many know the more you open your mouth, the worse it gets? You know? And so nothing has gone right for Moses this day. And um, F.B. Meyer was, uh, he has a commentator, you know, he wrote about this story. He pointed out that Moses must learn a vital lesson, and that is death to self. You know, death to his plans, death to his dreams, death to his ambitions, death to his schemes, death to his leadership, death to his popularity. And in fact, Jesus talked about this in John chapter 12, verse 24. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And, and let me just say this morning, okay, I, I believe all of us can do great things for God. 
But I believe all of us have to die at some point to our vision, to our dreams. And um, let me just tell you, if you're walking with God, there's going to be a lot of funerals and a lot of graves to dig as you bury your dreams. And as I've looked over my life, man, there are so many graves that I've had to dig. You know, there are things that I've wanted to do for God and... and, um, it yet God just didn't see fit to allow me to do that. Watchman Nee said in one of his books that we need to approach God like children with open hands begging for gifts. And because he's a good God. How many know that God is a good God? And he fills our hands with good things. I don't know about you, but you know, we have life, we have health, we have friends, we have money, success. You know, whatever those things might be, recognition, marriage, children, a nice house, a good job. You know, we've been blessed. And when our hands are finally full, God says, all right, my child, I long to have fellowship with you. Reach out your hand and take my hand. And, but we can't do that because our hands are full. And we say, God, our, we can't. And we cry out to God. And, and God says, uh, put those things in my hand now. I've given them to you. I want you to give them back to me. We say, God, I can't. It's just too hard. I can't push them away from my life. But God says, I'm the one who gave them to you in the first place. Oh, God, please, please don't, don't take this away from me. This is everything to me. And God answers, but you must. Now, I don't know about you, but we hold on to things sometimes so dearly and so so hard, you know, and it's like we need to just loosely hang on to things. Thank you, God, for those things. But God, whatever you take back, if it means that I'm going to walk in a deeper way with you, a way of holiness, and little by little, I don't know about you, but God takes one finger off, and then he takes another finger and another finger, and I'm holding on by one finger onto that thing. And God finally says, okay, I've got to pry that finger loose, and it's like, are you like me? And we're holding on for dear life and say, God, I want that, I want that. And God says, uh, no, no, you got to let it go. And you say, well, dear Lord, you know, take whatever you want. It belongs to you anyway. Finally, we say that. And it's a painful process. And I think if you're a Christian that has been walking with the Lord, there's got to be a lot of funerals and graveyards along your life where you've said, God, I have to bury that dream. I have to bury that, that hope. I have to put it in your hands. God, you're the bigger God. You can restore what the canker worm is eating away in my life. You can restore my family. You can restore these things in my life. But God, I have to let my dream die. Come on, are you guys following me on this? It's a painful process, but we need to do it. Here's the third word I want you to write down. It is the word lamentation, okay? And it's found in verse 22 and 23. And then Moses went back to the Lord and protested. Okay, he's going to the Lord now. Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people? Lord, why did you send me? I did what you wanted me to do. And if this is plan A, then let's go to plan B because plan A is not working. Verse 23, ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, 
He has been more brutal to your people, your people, and you have done nothing to rescue him. Now, I love how Moses puts it. He's, he said, I spoke your name, and that didn't work out. These are your people, and you have not rescued them. And they're all pronouns to remind us that as if God needed a reminder that his plan, he has a plan from the beginning. Now, Moses is saying, I did my part. Why don't you do your part? You ever just say that to God? Kind of get on with it? And, uh, and that's a fair question. But the conclusion is right. He said, you haven't rescued your people at all. And here's the thing. He doesn't see that God had a plan. And here, here's the thing with us. I don't see the big picture. I only see the here, here and now right now. This is, this is all I see. I just see what I can see. And it's like, okay, I don't see anything good here. And we don't see that God has already put into motion that God is going to use Moses to deliver the people. The plan is in process. It's just not completed yet. And God says it's going to work out, just not the way you expected it. And, and Exodus 5 appears to be hopeless. You know, that God's not doing anything. But how many know that our timing is not God's timing? You know, has anybody ever prayed, God, I want it and I want it now? Right now, Lord. Do it right now. Take and shake them down now, God. Get a hold of their heart now. And nothing, let me just say this, because God's timing is not our timing, but nothing ever happens by accident. And God knows what he's doing in your life. And because you can't see him doesn't mean that God isn't at work. It just means that he's behind the scene doing what needs to be done. Now, I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that says this. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law. God arranged everything just at the right time. Now, if you'd have been in Bethlehem the week before Jesus was born, there were no angels singing in the sky. You know, there was no baby that was in a manger. You know, nothing would have been, you know, alerted you to the birth of Jesus. And, and here's the thing I want you to see is that God keeps the timing of everything in the right way. And so let me give you some lessons for today. And I want to just kind of wrap it up with this. Because what lessons should we go out of here today with? And, you know, it, here's the first one, and I want you to see this, is that God often reveals his will through early opposition. God often reveals his will through early opposition. You ever go get a shot, and then it immediately gets red? That means that, you know, that the shot didn't take, and, you know, there's, there's uh, uh, your antibodies are moving to you know, to bring a little bit of infection there that you would uh, just, it signals that, you know, that it's not working. And oftentimes the early opposition signals in our life means that God has already started the work. And Pharaoh, uh, you know, if we never face opposition, how many know we're never going to really truly do God's will? And Pharaoh boasted and said, I do not know the Lord. But he was about ready to know him. And, you know, let me just tell you, you can know the Lord in two different ways. One, as a deliverer, or two, as a destroyer. And there's no third option. And because Pharaoh didn't know him as a deliverer, he's about ready to know him as a destroyer. And the people of Egypt would pay a terrible price 
for their king's insolence. And, and, and I want you to know, the Lord is either your best friend today or he is your worst enemy. You know, you keep doing what you're going to do and, you know, God will just, you know, he'll just save enough. And so Pharaoh hardened his heart. Well, actually, God hardened his heart uh, even more. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, but God even hardened it more. And in the deepest sense, Pharaoh's opposition was not ordained, uh, was ordained by the Lord. It was ordained by the Lord. The opposition, it was like, this is all part of my plan, God says. And you're saying, well, yeah, Lord, but if this is part of your plan, why am I got these trials and this, everything's working out, you know, worse than when I started out? Why why even pray? And God says, you just don't see everything. Right? You just don't see everything. How many have gotten to the other end of it? It's like, wow, God, I didn't see it coming that way. And in the deepest sense, Pharaoh's opposition was ordained by the Lord. It was the only way Israel could be free. And this, is, this changes how we look at our problems and our enemies. It's like, oh, God, nothing's going right. And God says, just relax. Take a chill pill. You know, just, just be fine. You're, you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Everybody say that. It's going to be okay. I'm sure Pharaoh, Moses didn't think of Pharaoh that way. But it was true nevertheless. And there was no way the Jews could get free from, from, without Pharaoh's permission. But he would never give it freely. And God had to harden his heart to break him. And, you know, and, and sometimes it takes our enemies, you know, it takes our enemies to humble us. That's a good thing. You know, it takes our enemies to drive us to our knees. That's a good thing. You know, it takes our enemies to strip away our pride. And, and that's a good thing. It, you know, if we didn't need enemies, God wouldn't give them to us. Right? You know, God will keep the enemies alive in your life so that as long as you need them, they're going to be there to those trials, those enemies. They're going to be there until you just say, God, I surrender. You know, and you still got that one finger holding on. I'm not letting go, God. I'm not letting Come on. Come on. Am I speaking to anybody today? And when you no longer need your enemies, they'll disappear from your life. And then he'll bring you some more. <laughs> That's a sermon for another day. Okay, number two. God's timetable uh, and ours are not the same. Okay? Now I want you to remember what Moses does not know at this point. He doesn't know about the ten plagues because those haven't been revealed yet. He doesn't have a clue that soon he and the nation will be trapped by the Red Sea. He doesn't know about the golden calf out at Mount Sinai where they worship the golden calf and they start complaining and wish they were back in Egypt. All of that's hidden from him right now. And if Moses had any hope of doing what God wanted him to do, you know, he had to go talk to Pharaoh again. And how many know that was a little awkward? But you can't bypass the hard parts of your journey. You'll never get to Sinai without passing through the Red Sea. You'll never get to the Red Sea without having the ten plagues. You'll never have the ten plagues without going back to Pharaoh. And you'll never go to Pharaoh unless you ignore your critics. You know, and so Job 20, I, I like what Job 23.10 says. But he knows, in fact, read it with me. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as what? Pure gold. Now, when I was younger... Okay? Some of you were younger once. 
I used to focus on pure gold. I'm going to come out like pure gold. And I'm thinking, that's, yeah, praise God. That's, everything's going to work out and it's going to come out like gold. But now that I'm older, everybody say, now that I'm older. Okay, you're talking about yourself. I focus on the first two words. But he, or the first three words, but he knows. And as long as he knows, I don't have to know. Come on. As long as he knows, I don't have to know all the details. And how many know that life is, is a journey that's filled with twists and turns? You know, I'm 68 and I find that I believe in the sovereignty of God more than I ever have. I was born in Los Angeles, raised in Fillmore, California, met my wife in Linwood, and we married. We've moved 12 times in 49 years. Okay? I'm a very unstable person. <laughs> Along the way, we've lived in Linwood, California, Norwalk, California, El Cajon, La Mirada, I've lived in Bremerton, Washington, Victorville, and now Hesperia by the hand of God. We have two daughters and their husbands and four grandkids because God has willed it. We have a beautiful Siberian husky named Aurora who likes to travel with us. That too is a gift from God. Okay? Dog doesn't throw up when we drive, you know? I mean, that's nice, you know? Even my problems, when, which aren't many, are apportioned to me by the hand of God. And I am who I am, and I'm where I am by the sovereign grace of God today. That means that there is no such thing as luck or fate or chance. I heard about a little girl who asked, when asked when she learned what she learned in Sunday school, she said, I learned today that God never says oops. And I thought about that because... That's comfort, comforting that we live with a God who doesn't say oops. That he knows what's going on. That we live in a God where oops, the oops world and mistakes are made all the time. You know, and they're often by well-meaning people. But God makes no mistakes. And he knows what he's doing. He knows my name. He knows who I am today. And if God is God, then he is just as much God when I have a cloudy day and it rains and it rained over your part. It didn't rain where we are. It rained on the right side of Ranchero, but not the left side. Okay? I don't know how that goes. But God is just as much God on the cloudy days as he is on the sunny days. It's powerful. Third thing, I want you to see this. God's power works in our weakness. First, Pharaoh rebuffs Moses. Then his own people attack him. And he appears to be a failure, but God's not finished yet. And it's easy to get puffed up when we think we're indispensable. But as Charles de Gaulle once said, the graveyards are filled with indispensable people. You want to make God laugh today? Just tell him your plans. Just tell him your plans and he's going to laugh. You know, God doesn't need us to do anything. He spoke and the stars began to shine. The sun came out. I don't know. God doesn't need you to 
do anything. He created the world. He taught the fish how to swim, the eagles soar. I don't know, whatever. And he can work with you or he can work without you. This is powerful, church. And many of us struggle with this concept, but God was just doing fine as God before you showed up. And he'll do fine after we're gone. There's a, a prayer that I, I like. It's called the Prayer of the Unknown Soldier. And perhaps you've read this or listened to it. It was a prayer of the unknown soldier from the Civil War. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. And I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy and I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life and I was given life that I may enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for but everything I hoped for. And almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among men most richly blessed. And let me just tell you this. Life is not a straight line. It is filled with zigs and zags. It goes up and down, you know, and for a while you feel like you're going in circles. Come on. You know, one day the clouds lift and the next day, you know, that you're at the top of the mountain or, you know, you're under a storm, whatever it might be. But that brings me back to the advice that I would give my 30-year-old self. Everything will work out, just not like you expect it. Okay? You know, hold on to your dreams lightly. Everything will work out if you follow the Lord. I knew that when I was 30, but I believe that now. Let me tell you about this sermon as I was putting it together. Monday mornings are my uh, sermon prep for the following Sunday. Last, sun, last Monday, I got up around 4, and um, I was in my office, I, I would think about 5, 5.30, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. And um, so you got to imagine, I, I want you just to paint this picture for you. It was completely dark. And in my office, I have my desk at home and I have a light that just comes over my desk. That's the only light that's on in the room. And I turn, in, I turn the worship music on real quietly without words, you know, instrumental praise. You know, I, did, I didn't want the words to distract me. And I started getting into this passage and started working it through. And all of a sudden, I started to cry. No one is there, just me, just, just me, Jesus. And I begin to think of all the things that God has done for me and all the places that he has taken me and all the people that God has allowed me to touch and who have touched my life. And, and I... I, for I would say a good 20 minutes I, I could not even study it was it was I was just so in the presence of God looking at Moses' life and looking at how God just took care of him and 
And I was just sitting there, and I was just, I was just worshiping Jesus. And, and this song that uh, Karen is singing, they're playing right now. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. raise your hand and the ladies will bring it down to you. Down on the front here we have uh, Tracy doesn't have it. Anybody else just raise your hand. I lift this bread up and those of you that are watching online maybe you want to go get some crackers of bread and some juice real quickly you can do that. I stand here very humbled today that God has been so good in my life and so faithful. I, I am so overwhelmed and blessed. Not everything has worked out the way I want to work it out. Oh, I've told my plans to God so many times and he's laughed at me so many times. It, it just doesn't work that way. But as we lift up our bread today, this is symbolic of his body that was broken for you, okay? Go ahead and break it at this time if you can. Um, it was broken for you. Jesus, think about what he went through, the whippings, the, you know, all the things that he had to do to carry the cross, the crown of thorns. And he said, I did this for you. I did this for you. Man, just think about the faithfulness to God all the way back. You know, people did say, well, is this your plan, God? God says, yeah, yeah, this is my plan, and it's going to work. So, Lord, we lift up this bread first to you, symbolic of the brokenness that you brought in our life. You said, do this in remembrance of me. And God, we take this bread. We take this bread today. And we say, God, it's all about you. In remembrance of me. In remembrance of me, as I said. Take this bread and put it in your mouth at this time. 
take the other side and open it. Bible says this is his blood that was shed for us. And it says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, no forgiveness of sins. Do you need forgiveness today? Do you need forgiveness in your life? Have you done something that's not pleasing the Lord? Have you said something? Have you gossiped? Have you been critical? Have you done something that needs forgiveness today? He said, this is the path. It, maybe you're here and you, don't, you haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. You haven't given your life to Jesus. The Bible says, by accepting the shed blood of Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. It says that if you believe that and confess that, you can have new life. So we lift up the bread to the Lord. Would you say the Lord's prayer with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go ahead and drink this cup. Amen. Well, I would say to you, God has been in this house today. Can you say amen to that? So we're going to close in prayer. If you need prayer, I'll be down here. And uh, if any of you elders are here, if you could come down here. And um, afterwards, um, we would like you over on my left on this side in the back. There's some snacks. And if you want to just get something and just hang out just for a bit, usually on this Sunday, we go to the park, and I just couldn't go to Hesperia Park today. It was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh We're going to just... So I'm giving you plenty of time to just go and fellowship. Let me bless you. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. And together we ask this in the name of the... Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said? Amen. Don't rush off. Come over and fellowship and uh, just have uh, a little bit of a uh, good time there. And if you need prayer, come on up. I'd be glad to pray with you. God bless you. Did you guys have